when I was when I was young in the, in the faith, actually here and, and other places that I would travel, um, you know, church services would be two and a half, sometimes three hours. Some of you are like, please don't do that to me today. But um, it was it was just it was just like a, a wonderful thing and um, an all day celebration. It was just awesome. Anyways, we're in Genesis chapter two. We're going to start here at the beginning um, in verse fourteen. No, I'm all mixed up. <laughs> Fifteen. There we go. That was only one off. So in, in the beginning, we're going to see, you know, God created everything. He created man. And, and God sets a principle that we want to start off in Genesis 2.15 for this morning's service. And it's this. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. Heavenly Father, as we go into the time in your word this morning, I pray you would encourage each and every one of us. God, I pray that each of us would hear your voice, even as Revelation does say, let, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the church. God, that we would hear what you're calling each of us to do and to be. God, and how we fit. God, we pray that you would just uh, speak through me this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the first things that God did with when he was working with us humans is they put Adam and Eve and he put them in the Garden of Eden and he says you have a job and it's to take care of things. The principle of God is that he's given us everything that he gives us he's actually giving us as a steward. He's the owner of everything. God is the owner. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. Everything belongs to God. We've got to get this concept as believers we have to get this concept really from the beginning, that everything this world has, including all of us, are the Lord's. Which is like, wait a second, you know, do, you know, everything, everything is the Lord's. Now, he has given us, he's given us the stewardship of it. He even says, go and subdue the earth. We've done that. We did that a long time ago. He said, be fruitful and multiply. We've done that. In fact, we're going to celebrate and dedicate some of the fruitfulness of multiplying this morning. And so he told us that we were supposed to do that, and we, we have. But in the process, church, we as, as, as the children of God have gotten off, and we have not taken the responsibility that he gave us, and that was actually to be stewards of everything. At times, one of the problems is that we get this ownership thing, and we just say, it's mine, and I'm going to do whatever I want with it. Now, here's, here's the thing with God. He says that that's okay. He says you can do that. He's given us what's called free will. And he says, if you want to live that way, you can do that. But he sets up principles that if we will honor him and, let, and understand that he is the owner and that we're the stewards, then he's going to bless us. And we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. So what are we stewards of? Well, we're, we're stewards of everything. As believers, the very first things he wants us to be a steward of is the earth. And, and, and I want to say we haven't done a good job with it. And Christians, I think, are, are, are highly responsible because a number of years back, I think, Christians got their focus off, uh, off of that so much and just onto God that we almost said it just doesn't matter. That's just the earth. It's temporary. And we've allowed the earth to really be polluted and corrupted, and we, we did not do a good job in taking care of it. And, and honestly, we're paying for it, aren't we? This isn't going to be some eco-friendly message. But it's important for us to know as Christians, that was the very first thing that God told us to tend, was the earth. 
And so I encourage us all to, to let's, let's, let's at least personally begin again to be good stewards of that. But he gave us uh, things throughout the Bible that we see. He's given us missions that we're a steward of the things he wants us to do. He's given us children that we're supposed to be stewards of and we're supposed to help them. A big part of the message today is talking about that. He's given us our finances that we're supposed to steward our finances. We're supposed to invest them well. We're supposed to understand that he gave us our finances in order for us to uh, promote the kingdom of God, to support ourselves, but they're, they're not just supposed to be used for ourselves. He's given you a job that you're supposed to be a steward of. See, this can be a tough message because we as individual, independent, hardworking people want to think that I did it all myself. But he has given you the ability. In fact, the Bible says that it's he who gave us the ability to earn wealth in Deuteronomy 8. You, you, you know, God didn't maybe, you know, send you an email, you know, that said, hey, dear James, I'm giving you a job. Go apply and you get the job. Boom, right? He didn't quite do it that way. You know, you sign God. You know, maybe sometimes we walk into a position that's like, wow, I really feel like this God was literally given to me by God. Some of you went through a process of schooling and, and education and application, and you've, you've got this job that you worked really hard for. And when we do those things, it's easy to think that we did it. It's just easy. It's the, it's the human nature. But if we'll at least get Deuteronomy chapter 8 that says it is God who gives us power to earn wealth, that you realize that he might not have specifically given you that job, but he's given you a brain. He's given you power to earn the wealth, and that in that sense, all of it belongs to God. No matter what you do, your job is a ministry. You are a steward of a job of God, and you're supposed to do that job as, as somebody who's serving under somebody else, not just your boss at work, but also the Lord. My job, I'm a steward of my job. You might be a business owner. You know, we prayed for business owners at the National Day of Prayer on Thursday, and, and we just, I just lift up business owners, Christian business owners so much. We prayed, if you're a Christian business owner, we pray that God would bless you and multiply your business. So get ready, it's coming, okay? But it, when that comes, God wants you to be a steward of the resources, of the personnel, of everything that you have. You're supposed to be a steward of it. And you're supposed to say, God, how do I honor you with this? What do you want me to do with your company? Oh, it's hard, huh? It's not my company. It's his company. I'm going to just be the steward. I'm going to be your, your un, under, under shepherd, your under manager. I believe he gives us relationships, husbands, wives, even, even just relationship with our friends, and we're supposed to steward those well. Don't be an owner of it. Think that you are treating something uh, that, that doesn't belong to you, and I think we're going to treat it so much better. There's a story some of you may have heard. It's, a, it's an older, uh, kind of a bedtime story of a, of a king and a queen who, who had, lived in this place, and, and they had a child. And they didn't really feel like the, the people were treating children very well in that, in that village where they were the king and queen of that kingdom. And so what they did is they secretly asked one of the people one of the families in the, in the community to raise the child of the king and queen. And it was a secret, except they said, listen, one of you is raising the child of the king and queen. And so when time came along, what happened is because, you know, if you, you, if you treat the prince or princess poorly, you can be in trouble, right? 
So people began to treat all the children a little bit better in case they were dealing with the, the, the soon-to-be king or queen. They were like, ooh, we better treat this kid right. We don't know if that's the king and queen's daughter. We don't know if this is the prince or princess or if it's just some other kid. And the whole community began to treat all the children better. It's a wonderful picture. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to treat one another as, as a steward and knowing that these aren't our children, that this isn't my company, these aren't my relationships. We're supposed to be stewards. Sometimes stewards do it voluntarily, but even sometimes there's, uh, this Bible even talks about how we do it not voluntarily, and there's even still a reward in that. We have to understand that we are taking care of, of God's property. In 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 20, even us, we don't belong to ourselves. It says that you were bought at a price... You were bought at a price, so honor God with your body. This week, again, and this has been a, a, a kind of a journey I've been on for a couple of years myself, a health thing, where I'm like, I need to, to, to lose some weight and, and get into shape. I used to just say, hey, I'm in shape. Round is a shape. But, <laughs> but I've been feeling more and more. I'm like, I, I got to steward my body. You know, I was bought at a price. I want to honor God with my body. So I, I want to get healthy, and, and, um, and so it's, 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 it's tough. Anyone else think it's tough? It's tough, but I want to lose some weight. I want to become healthy because I want to honor God with my body. Amen? So even ourselves, we, got, you know, so we, we want to treat the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit well. You know, someone's like, man, the Holy Spirit's temple is full of fat and cholesterol and <laughs> high blood pressure and... He gives us all, I talked about this earlier, he gives each of us a, a, a gift, a spiritual gift. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I have a lot of scriptures, and I'm not going to get to all of them for sure. I just want to get a couple. Just to kind of prompt us before we start talking about this wonderful thing with children. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14. It says, do not neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them and your progress may be evident to all. Don't neglect the gift that's in you. You know, the enemy wants to come in and tell you you've got nothing to offer. Why even bother going to church? It was, it was like the, the guy who is at home on one Sunday morning and, and he just... He was just, I'm not going to church. I just, I don't want to go to church today. And, and his wife said, well, why don't you want to go to church? Nobody likes me there. You know, nobody appreciates me there. I don't even know if they're going to miss that I'm not there. And she's like, you need to go to church. And she goes, and he goes, give me, you know, a, a, a one good reason that you should go to the church. He says, well, I'll give you a couple. He says, because you're part of the body of Christ and it's important that you're there. He says, okay, well, give me another good reason. Well, you're the pastor and you need to be there. <laughs> so, so we've got something to offer, not just the pastor. I mean, you know, we, we, you have a gift and we don't want to neglect the gift. Each of you around, 
you know, around you has a gift, and it's important. Um, it's wonderful to see everyone this morning, and I love, I love the fellowship time in the morning. There's people talking, and there's people greeting, and there's people stuffing bagels in other people's mouths and things like that. It, that's all important. So, so don't neglect the gift that you have and, and actually seek to say, God, help me to, to develop my gift and know what my gift is so that I can bring it. You ever do a potluck and somebody forgets something? It's no fun. It's like we want all the parts of the meal there so it's complete. Do you know you're even a steward of your words? Matthew chapter 12 says that we're going to give an account for every word we say. Every word. Now, now earlier at the, at the beginning of the message, I said that, you know, God in his sovereignty, which means he's all-powerful, he's done some things that I wouldn't have done. But that's why he's God and I'm not. He, he gave us free will, and, and he leaves a choice out for us all the time. Even as Joshua did to the people, he says, listen, you know, you choose this day whom you're going to serve. You choose. It's up to you. You can choose the, the God of our fathers, or you can choose the God of this land. He, but Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, right? A lot of us have that plaque or something in our house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it's a wonderful thing. But there's a choice to be made in that. It's a choice. In the book of Acts chapter 5, you guys might know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. You know, the one that messed with me. Old Testament, God's smiting people killing people. I, I don't know why it was easier for me in the Old Testament. Lots of people are dying in the Old Testament. New Testament's all about love and Jesus, and then Acts chapter 5 comes and it ruins me. Because Acts chapter 5 is Ananias and Sapphira, a man and his wife, who's part of a church, and everybody in the church is really excited about, about God, and they're taking what they have, their properties, and they're selling them. And they're giving all the money to take care of all the other people and to expand the kingdom of God. It's really exciting. We're going to be doing that a little bit later on. I hope you brought your deeds to your houses. We're just going to sign them over. And, um, and everyone's bringing their houses and things and selling them. And Ananias and Sapphira, like any good modern-day people, want to fit in. Because that's what it's all about, right? Fitting in. <laughs> and, and, but that's actually what was going on. They're like, okay, hey, you know, honey, we got this, we got this property, and everyone else is selling their land, and they they know that we got the property. Hey, maybe with it, I'm ad-libbing a little bit. Maybe we should sell ours and, and give some money too. But in the process, they're like, yeah, but that's a lot of money. I'm sure none of you, uh, has God ever done that to you where he's like, Lord, I'm supposed to give something in the offering today. And then you get a number and you're like, uh, can I get a different number? <laughs> you know? I mean, and so this is kind of what's happened to them. They got this whole property, and they're like, oh, we don't like this number. Hey, why don't we sell the property and give just a part of the money, and, and then we'll, everyone will think we did really good, and, but we'll hide some of the money, which we'll is keep it for ourselves. So uh, the husband comes, and, and he does that, and he says, here's the money from our property. And, and Peter says, hey, is this, is this all the money? And Ananias looks at him and says, yeah, it's all of it. And, and Peter calls him out, and he says, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit. But he goes on, and here's the, here's the point. He goes on, he says, wasn't the property yours to do with what you wanted? Wasn't the money yours after you sold it to do with whatever you wanted? Why did you lie? See, God gives us, we don't have to give. We don't have to do anything. He gives us that free will. But, but he's asking us, to, he's asking us to, to say, be a steward instead and let me lead you and guide you into what I have for you and do it freely. 
So, so God is good in that sense, that he gives us the free will. And, and because of that, we choose it all the time. We choose, we choose free will. And we choose to not serve him at times and times we do. There's blessings in serving God. Um, so uh, with our children, and this is a big part of the service this morning, but this can be in any area. So you might have already done this with your kids. Maybe you're at a different sta- stage of life. Um, but there could be things in your life that, that this will apply to. But um, if you had kids, have you ever given them back to God? Some of you have, right? Some of you, that's what we've, we've done that. We say, okay, Lord, these are your kids. Actually, some of you are thinking, I'd like to give my kids back to God. <laughs> like, is there a return policy on them? You know, sometimes I think almost all of us have had that thing going, you know, I think something got switched at the hospital. This one can't be mine. Um, but, but, but the truth is, there really hasn't ha- been a parent here who hasn't had some moments in their, in their time that like, wow, this is really hard. Um, but, but we want to give them to the Lord, not, not for him to take them away from us, but to say, God, I want to I wanna submit my child. I want to dedicate him to you. Um, I heard of one family where one of the three kids in the house went to his mom. It was, it was Mother's Day, and he goes, Mom, what would you like for, for Mother's Day this year? And she just looked at him like a lot of you moms would do and thought, here's what I'm going to I said, you know, honey, I would just like three well-behaved children. And the boy's name was Jacob said, well, then there'd be six of us. (laughs) Have you recognized that your children really are a gift, a precious gift from God? Amen. Even if you've had tough times with your kids, you know that there was times in your life you knew they were gifts from God. And sometimes we have to hold on to that when it gets difficult. and, And being a parent is really tough. We're going through the beginning of our, our children leaving and, and boy we've just been an emotional wreck we're just crying like one of us is crying like every day Matthew's moving off in, in May and Zach's moving off in, in July or August and, and, it, and it's tough and we, and we realize well our kids are, are such a gift and, and it's a really tough thing to be a parent have you ever released ownership of your children to him you know say so, you know God these aren't my kids have, you, have we realized that God has left it up to you to show your children the way? He, he actually left it up to you to educate your children. He didn't give that responsibility to the schools. He gave it to you. And you choose how that's supposed to happen. You can choose to send them to the public school, but you are still in charge. One of the things we need to do in this country is take back charge I believe the enemy and is using the government is coming in to thwart families, which is the model of God, and trying to get us to release our responsibility to raise our kids and take them away. And I believe it's just really from from the, the pit of hell. Because God does not ask the state to raise your children. He asked you to raise them. And I'm not saying you can't put them in public school. I'm saying remember that when you do, you're in charge. When, you, when your kids go to, to Sunday school, it's not, it's not Kid Zone's responsibility to teach them about Jesus. It's not Jesse's responsibility to fix your teenagers and make them get saved. It's yours to lead them and show them the way. All these other resources are around to help you in your task. It's our job. And we need to take it serious. We need to show them the way. We need to give our kids 
back to the Lord. There's a lot of passages, a number of passages in the Bible. Of course, the famous one that we always think of dedication is Hannah, who prayed for a child and, and went to the prophet, and he prayed for her, and she came back. She had a, had a baby, and she dedicated him to the service of God and, and literally left him at the temple. Now, I'm going to just say right now, I don't think I want any of you to leave your kids here to serve all week long, but if you do, I'm going to put them to work, you know. Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to dedicate him, to, to pray for him, to show that he was the Lord's. But I want to talk a little bit about Abraham this morning. Because Abraham's a great example. Abraham's example of, of, uh, of, of sacrifice or being willing to sacrifice, to give what he had over, can apply to so many things. It's one of the most popular uh, places in the Bible that we use when we're holding on to something maybe too tightly. Um, it's at chapter uh, 22, Genesis chapter 22. And um, this is what uh, God has to say about giving our children back to God is uh, Genesis chapter 22. And it's found in in verses uh, 1 through 13 if you're taking notes. It's it's where where God told Abraham, take your son, your only son. This was the son of promise. This is the one they waited for. This is the one that, that he went off and had another baby that he wasn't supposed to have thinking it would be the son of promise. This is the golden child. This is it. And God says, go take him and sacrifice him on the mountain. I'm going to show you. There's some huge problems in this thing that, you know, we know that God hates sacrifice. Too bad Abraham lived before that was all written down. So he's just going to be obedient. And how difficult that was. Abraham loved Isaac. Verse 2 said, God, take, God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Whom you love. Take him. Isaac was a miracle baby. There's some miracle babies. Uh, you know, I think I was looking for Denise this morning. Denise isn't here, but I know some of you have miracle babies. Um, the baby who, who wasn't supposed to live. The baby just maybe who, who was conceived and you thought it was too late to have a baby. The miracle baby. Isaac's the miracle baby. And now God's saying, kill him. Ruthlessly. Brutally. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. A sacrifice is slit the neck. I mean, slit the throat. It's over. This is horrible. Go do that to your kid, the one you love. Okay, God, right on that. It was, it was, it was a horrible thing to imagine stacking the wood, and, and Isaac's carrying the wood himself. I don't, I don't know if I'd do it. I don't know if I'd do it. But in a sense, I know that I have to do it. I have to do it with all four of my kids. My son Zachary, he... He, he's, he's just known he's supposed to be in the military. And I tell you, knowing that your son, and he doesn't want to do something in the back. I mean, his, his dream has always been, to, I want to be leading the troops. I want to, you know, in the Coast Guard, he's like, I'm going to be at the front of the boat. I want my M16. I'm going to be boarding other boats. I want to be in the fray of it. And I'm like, great, yay. <laughs> so happy for you, son. I mean, in a movie, it's great. When it's your son, it's like, is there something else you want to do? You know, maybe work in the back office somewhere. But I have to give him over to what God's calling him to. Fully. Fully. Give your kids up. The best thing that Abraham ever did for Isaac was to tie him onto that altar and surrender him back to God. He was releasing control and saying, I'll do whatever you want and, and I want my child to be part of whatever you have for him. He refused 
Had Abraham refused to give Isaac back to God, he would have forfeited all of God's promises and plans for Isaac. Isaac was in the lineage of Jesus Christ. He became rich and he became one of the, the pillars of the, the, the fathers of faith. Whenever you hear the Trinity, um, the, the three things in Judaism, and Antoine can correct me if I'm wrong in that, but there's a lot of threes in Judaism, and for them, they represent Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Whenever the threes in Judaism, when you say there's a lot of them, they're always, in their, their hearts and minds, they're always thinking of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, we know that there's also another trinity that they didn't realize that they were tying into, and that's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Isaac was part of that Abrahamic trinity, if you will, and, and he would have sacrificed all that, and Isaac would have never walked into the things and been part of the legacy that we have as Christians and the Jews have. Isaac became a wealthy man the forefather of God's own son, Jesus Christ. And he's still having an impact in the world. So we need to learn from Abraham today, and we don't want to refuse to and fail to give our kids back to God. We want to give our kids to God. We don't want to forfeit God's best plan for them by being selfish and stingy. We want to do what he's calling us to do. Real quickly, real quickly, I'm going to give us four elements about giving our kids back to God. The first one is that when you give your child to God, it's a confirmation of your love for God. For all you parents that are going to do this this morning, and, and, and I realize there's some, some parents here who maybe didn't know about this ahead of time. I'm just going to tell you, if, if, if you are, this message is true for you and you want to do this, not as a ceremony, but as a commitment of giving your child, when we have the parents come up, you can come up. But it's a confirmation of your love for God. The first thing you're saying when you give your child back to the Lord is, is simply this, that you love God even more than you love your kid. And I'm just going to be honest, that's hard for me sometimes. I mean, I love my family. Do I love God more than my family? I wrestle with that. And if, if you don't praise God, and if, you, if you're saying that you don't, are you telling the truth? Or just a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Do I really love? But what, yes, we need to love God and understand that He is good. And that if we trust Him, He'll take care of things. So it's a, it's a saying, I love you. My child is most prized possession, but He's not going to take the place of you. You know, I, I have to say, hopefully, I, that was when I, when I took my wife and two little kids to the, a third world country, to Central America, to live. I, I, I was following God, so I hope that was because I loved God more than my kids and trusted Him. Love God. It's a confirmation of your love to God. Spanking your child is showing that you love them. Give your kid to God. Spank him. Give limitations on him. Hold the line with your kid. Those are all things, actually, that's showing that you love your child and you love God. You'll do whatever it takes. Abraham did it when he proved his, his love for God by being willing to offer Isaac. He says, God, I love you more and I'm going to follow you. Matthew 10 says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Number two, it's not only a confirmation of our love to God, but it's a clarification of ownership. It's a clarification of who owns our kids. We declare that 
by offering our kids, by dedicating them, by, by doing this, that, that this is a gift. My child is a gift from God. It doesn't really, he doesn't belong to me. She doesn't belong to me. They're a, they're a gift. I'm going to steward this. This, my child, my baby belongs to God. I have a privilege to train and love my child, but my child belongs to the Lord. He's God's. Is that what Abraham was thinking? Lord, Isaac belongs to you. He's not mine. You gave him to me, and he's yours. Do with him as you please. Psalm 127 says that, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. They're an inheritance from God. They're a gift from God. The fruit of the womb is a reward. As we raise our kids as stewards, we've got to remember we better be careful in how we treat God's property. You know, if you borrow somebody's car, if you ever borrow my car, please treat it well. Right? You borrow somebody's car, you fill it up with gas, you clean it, you do well. Our kids are God's property. God authorized moms and dads to raise kids, not the state. The best way, God's primary role is for a mom and dad. And I'm thankful that we have a village to help us but it's not the village's responsibility. It's mine. And it's my job to find a village that's actually going to help raise my kid in a godly way. That's why being in, in, a, in a church is so important. It's, it's a confirmation. It's a clarification of whose, whose child it is. And it's also a commitment to raise your kids God's way. It's a commitment to, that I'm going to raise my kids God's way. Amen. Did you hear it? Amen, Dad. Raise me right, is what she said. Ephesians 6 says we're supposed to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We, I'm going to try to get this done in about five minutes. I told them come in at 9.45. I lied. It's horrible. It's, it's, it, this is a commitment. This isn't just a ceremony. I'm not into just ceremony. Ceremonies are fun and they're neat. You get take pictures, that's fine. This is a commitment. We're committing something very serious. I'm committing myself to raise this child in a godly home. I'm not co just committing to send them the church on the church bus. I'm going to raise my kid. I'm, I'm committing to be a godly parent. I'm committing to teach my child about Jesus. Your child has to be, get saved someday. It's your job to lead them and to teach them. It's their job to receive it. You know, keep this child in church. You know, all these people say, well, we're just going to do church at home and do all that. Good luck. It just, it's just, in my experience, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. Keep your child in a body where there's other people challenging you and other people looking out and helping to challenge the child too. You're going to love this child. That's not usually too hard. There's days it is. You're going to pray for your child. And I know moms, you've done this. I know moms wake up in the middle of the night and pray for their kids. But here, here, please don't be offended or hurt by this statement. Don't wait until your kids are 17 to start praying for them. Oh, God, keep them safe as they're at the party. Start praying at 3. God, don't ever let them need to go to the party to get drunk and be dangerous. Pray now. Pray now. Don't wait until you it's too late and you're just wondering if they're going to make it. Train the child in the way they should go. When you train somebody, I used to do karate. 
It's training. It's day after day after day you did it. At the dojo, you did it. At home, you train. That's what we're doing. We're not just talking about it occasionally. If you're married, stay married. Kids need a, a mom and a dad who are going to nurture them. They need a godly mom and a godly dad. Make your home a holy place. Put away worldliness in your home. You know, there's, there's a, th- that picture of, of the kid who, who, who says a bad word and the dad hears it. And I hope you're not offended by this. And the dad says, where the hell did you learn to talk like that? And sometimes it's a school, but did you catch it? The dad's, you know, come on, let's train our kids. Let's put away worldliness ourselves. Live a righteous life. This, this, this ceremony this morning, it's not a magical ceremony. You know, I love Catholics. I, I, love, I love all people. Catholic, a great heart. One of, the, one of the bad, bad things that the Catholic Church does is this thought of, baptizing a baby and helping a parent believe that that baby is fine. Well, I baptized them. Aren't they good? No, they need Jesus. If it's part of the ceremony of you, of you saying, I'm dedicating my child, that's fine. As long as you understand, it's your ju- nothing magical happens when you do that. Nothing magical happens today when we dedicate these kids. But it's the beginning of a process that will last forever. I gotta keep going. It's a commitment like Joshua said that. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. That's a big commitment. It's a commitment to be very, very ser- serious about. It's kind of like marriage. You know, when people get married and just they say these amazing vows. Oh, I promise, I promise, I promise. What happened? What happened? Come on. We made a promise before God. Number four, we, we've given our children a confirmation of a clarification of whose he is, of a commitment that we're going to raise him, and also claiming of God's plan and promise for that child. We're claiming a promise. Isaac, there was a promise already to, to Abraham and that when he dedicated Isaac, when he says, I'm going to go all the way with you, it was claiming the promise that Isaac would then be the father of many people too because that was his child. Real quick, Genesis 22. There are some wiggly kids out in the hallway, and I'm just being mean. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Listen, blessing I will bless you. Multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. When you give your child, you're opening up the promises for your child, for them to walk in them. Isn't that powerful? You're going to help them to receive the very best from God. Your child's going to see what you've done, and they're going to walk in that. It's confirmation of your love. Clarification of whose child this is. Ownership of that child is God's. It's a commitment for you to raise your child in Jesus, and it's claiming God's best plan and promise for your child. That's what we're going to do this morning. 
It's with all these things say. That's why it's so important. Well, when we do this, we do it publicly. We do it in the church. There's another thing that happens is that we as a congregation are committing to help this family survive. I don't even know what other word to say because sometimes it's just hard to survive. We're going to come alongside. When you see these families come up this morning, you better take a really good look at them and remember their faces and say, I am going to commit to help them raise their kids. I'm going to love these kids as they're running by. Hey, this might just be one of the ki- ki- kids of the king. It is. So parents, those who want to dedicate their, their kids, come on up and Shannon's going to come up with me and Joe. Woohoo. Do they have to be here? No? No? If your kids aren't here and you're, you're wanting to commit yourself, that's good too. Come on. Come on. There's babies. Yeah, I knew it. That's awesome. There's babies, babies everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. Bring up your, your, your baby's coming like in a week. In a week, right? 11 days. Come on up. It's good to see you all. Woo. Somebody please get a picture of this too. Wow. It's awesome. Awesome. So as we just kind of got through this, by coming and we're going to pray for you. We're just going to walk. We're going to have to just pray for everyone coming through. It's a confirmation. You're agreeing this is a confirmation of your love for God. Saying, you know what, I love God. You might be up here and I don't even know everyone up here real well, well or not at all. But you're saying, I'm going to love God. If this is the beginning of you starting to love God, that's a great day. Okay? I'm going to love God. And I I understand, even if I only understand this much, that God has given me this child, and this child isn't mine. This child is God's, and I'm going to raise my child like it's God's. I'm going to take really, really good care of these kids. I'm going to commit. Where it's personal, guys, I'm going to commit to raise my child in Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus personally, and I'm going to teach and train and love. I'm going to bring my child up in Jesus. This isn't a magic ceremony. It's a commitment ceremony. And I'm going to, by doing this, I'm claiming, God, that you have a plan for my child. And the Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. This is for your child. I know the plans I have for you, Emery. <laughs> plans to prosper, to give you a hope, a future. This is God's purpose for your children. Hun Declan. He's got something special for you. (laughs) It's awesome. Every one of these kids, God has a plan. These are gifts from God. And we're claiming that today. And for us, as a body, as as, as family that's come, we're committing to help them, to pray for them, to be available to them, to babysit. Amen. Some of you like say, hey, yeah, we need that. Because we're going to be godly people and examples in these kids' life. Are we in agreement? If you're in agreement with that, what we're going to do is we're going to raise your hand forward as you stretch out our hand to pray for these 
people. Amen. All right. Woo. Heavenly Father, we as parents, we commit our children to you this morning. God, our, our, our babies are yours. We commit to raising them in you. We commit them to your plan and purpose for their life. We declare that we trust you and we love you even more than our kids, and we love our kids immensely. And we believe that you have something good for them, so we commit them into your care and your service. We commit ourselves to raise them to be godly parents, to be godly grandparents, to godly models in everything. We will choose to serve you with all of our days and all of our lives. God, as a congregation, as a church, we commit ourselves to, to be a support, to help, to try to be a blessing to each of these families, God. We thank you. We thank you for these babies. We commit them to you. We dedicate them to you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name.